0: Listening to the Just Go Bike podcast. I'm your host Mark Wyatt from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition, and I'm TJ Jeskowitz with Ragbri. This is the podcast where we talk about bicycles just for the fun of it. There'll be talk uh, about tales from bicycling from across the nation, and we'll be joined each week by guests who talk about the social side of cycling. So come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile
1: okay so here we go episode 30 um this was a big week throughout i guess the united states because i don't know if you happen to hear that there was going to be a solar or eclipse that happened to come right through
0: the united states did you happen to catch the eclipse where I, you were mark it was uh cloudy and overcast so we sat in our office watched it get dark and then it got light again and that was about it Okay.
1: Well, I was in Des Moines area, and we popped outside and watched uh, with our goofy little glasses, um, you know, for about a minute or so. I thought it was it was kind of cool. You know I, I, you know, I don't think I would have uh, liked to have traveled, you know, eight hours or something like that to go see an eclipse where a lot of people did that. And they, I, I'm sure they said it was pretty neat. But uh, mm. I'll tell you an interesting story about the eclipse and, and cycling. Uh, I happened to get a call, um, and it was, it was kind of weird, but, you know, I had no idea what this whole eclipse thing was. And about a year ago, I started getting, like, emails from different towns in the middle of wherever that said, hey, we're going to host this eclipse, and we'd like to get some information about converting our small town into a major festival for one day. And um, after I got, like, the third email, I happened to get on the phone with a lady from Casper, Wyoming, and she used the Iowa card on me and said, hey, I'm from Cedar Rapids originally, and I know a little bit about Ragbri taking a, a small town and converting it into a major festival for one day. And we think our town in Casper, Wyoming, is gonna happen on this August 21st date in the future. And I'm like, what in the heck are they talking about? And so after a little while, I, I did a little research and I, I said, wow, this, this will be a big deal. And they actually, uh, talked me into going over to Casper, Wyoming and consulting with them and I, I guess I became an Eclipse consultant for for <laughs> one summer and I basically put together you know just some talking points and just said look you know if you're taking your small town and you're going to take a town of 50,000 people and expect you know 300,000 people there for the Eclipse here's just some things you might want to keep in mind things mm-hmm. like safety and things like You know, the biggest questions they were having were like, well, we have, I don't know, 3,000 hotel rooms. Where are we going to put all these people? And I said, well, you know, we go to Leon, Iowa with 2,000 people and we bring them 25,000 people. So in reality, it's about the same thing. And right. so, explaining to them that you know people will camp and people will help, will have RVs and all that, it was kind of like we created a little mini Ragbrai, except for there was no biking. It was just looking at the at the sun for for a little bit and music and and partying and, and all that stuff. So.
0: So you threw so, the Johnny Home band in there for
1: <laughs> They should have done that. I you know, I, I immediately start thinking back to my high school days and dark side of the moon and, and stuff like that as soon as I mentioned the word eclipse. But um, anything like that, I said, you know, people just want to have a good time. And they want to right. be outdoors. They want to have have a fun time in the outdoors with friends and family. And that's what ragbri is about. I guess that's kind of what the eclipse was about, of it, you know, experiencing, you know, something neat with friends and family. And it'll be a memorable time. I'm sure people look back 20 years from now. Remember when we put those goofy glasses on and we sat in the middle of a, a cornfield in the middle of Nebraska and watched, uh, you know, the, the sky get dark for for two minutes? You know those are memories and that's kind of what you know bike riding makes memories and yeah. so so i thought it was kind of a, a neat parallel to you know bring uh, the eclipse and you know just what we've learned and experienced over the years in iowa and and you know obviously the eclipse only clipped a little corner of Iowa and it really hit all those other states around us but um, I was happy to go in and share just some thoughts and experiences with those towns that I asked.
0: yeah I mean that's exactly what you're doing with Ragbray right, right it's your value adding to the experience I'll I do. can ride my bike any other time of the year I can do it with friends but I can't do it with that many friends and see that many bands and, and have towns turn out like that and, and it's value added that that makes yeah.
1: that event really so cool it's not just about the bike i think someone once said that so it's uh, <laughs> all that other stuff when you get off the bike that makes makes events special so um yeah. that's that's the secret sauce of what makes you know it's kind of like what our motto of this this bike podcast is all about it's you know all that the fun side of cycling the social side of cycling and that's that's really cool
0: yeah yeah um we had uh, so there's there was an article in Outside Magazine and, and uh, I don't know if you caught it or not, um, but it's by one of our friends Eben Weiss who was on episode five of the Just Go Bike podcast. He's also known as the Bike Snob. Heard of this guy before? Yeah, heard of him. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so what's he's talking about? Well, he I, let's let's lead this off with with. Um, he's a satirist, so he's going to uh, he's going to try to poke holes in everything. And, and bicycling is is always his uh, his uh, claim to fame, and and uh, poking holes at the reality of it, and, and kind of making fun of ourselves at the same time. And 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 it, in fact, his, his tagline on it is "mercilessly uh, disassembling cycling culture." Um, mm-hmm. But his his article this week was titled "Death of Road Cycling." A mm. uh, road riding, um, and I'm guessing <laughs> you have some thoughts on that because <laughs> it, you know, Bride doesn't exist without road riding. I mean, there's uh, those two are paired together. If people can't ride on the roads on the on the off Ragbrite time, they're not going to come and ride on the on the Ragbrite time. Mm. Um, but. I would say, and, and tell me your thoughts, uh, I would say ragbri and, and road riding is probably as popular as ever in Iowa right now, right?
1: Well, we just came off, you know, probably mm, from from many accounts, our best year of all time. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think the attitude of people, I can't, I can't wait, to, you know, 365 days again to do RAGBRAI. I mean, just, uh, I, I think it's almost Mark Twainish that the you know, surmise of, of road cycling is greatly exaggerated because, um, yeah, it's alive and well. Maybe maybe in New York City it's not alive and well or, or in New Jersey or wherever it's not alive and well, but, you know, certainly in the heart of the Midwest it is certainly alive and well. And, um, yeah. you know, I don't know, Maybe maybe we are a complete anomaly of the rest of the world that, you know, we still... We still love road cycling here. We still, you know, and, it, and it's not just out on the road. I mean, there are people that are that are learning to love the activity or the sport on trails. And then that converts eventually as they get more and more miles on their bike and feel more comfortable that they're going out on, on country roads and, and riding more or riding centuries or, or riding grand Fondos that are out on the roads. So, um but i think it's alive and well and you know we read the reports from you know the industry publications that say you know the demise of cycling and and how bad the numbers are and oh i don't know i i still see people buying bikes here and um yeah. you know i mean even though post rag i mean i go into my local shop this weekend and you know they they're no longer open on sundays in the heart of summer before um you know, before Labor Day, and mm-hmm. you know the end of summer. I guess in the cycling world, I I hate to say it is marked by the end of ragbri, and right. um, it, it's a w- weird thing to say. Mm, why wouldn't you be open all the way through through Labor Day? So so ragbri has a, a major effect on that, but it also has a major effect on people getting out, even when it's raining in in April, getting out on their bikes and getting those miles in on their on their road bikes, not fat tires not you know 29ers or anything like that there's a lot of people still riding road bikes so mm-hmm. you know I challenge Mr. Weiss Mr. Bike Snob come come visit us in Iowa and uh, yeah. I think you will, you will have a change of heart might soften your satire uh, a bit on road cycling because it's certainly alive and well it yeah. just um, maybe we just do it better here in the Midwest <laughs> and have more fun doing it and Maybe a little bit of Iowa could be shared throughout the country um, because it's certainly not
0: dead. Our, our economic development numbers, you've done an economic study on Ragbri and I've done one on Iowa bicycling, and I think that might tell the tale pretty well. Um, Ragbri, at least the last time we studied, was, what, $24 million of economic impact during a week? Sure. That was a and, ten years ago, Annette. yeah, and and Iowa bicycling, and this is 2011 numbers, so this is six or five or six years ago. Um, Iowa bicycling as a whole is 364.8 million. That's a million dollars wow. a day, and and so, you know, Ragby being not even 10 percent of what the whole picture of the economics of bicycling are, um, even though that's a week, <laughs> that's 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 much less than 10 percent of the year. Um, you know that's uh, that's a big deal. Um, that, that that the the picture as a whole is 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 bigger than than just that week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think if anything, the things that he's pointing to, like like uh, uh, grand fondos where where people are kind of biking in herds, which is different than than traditional lone roadies, or cyclocross, or gravel riding, or adventure cycling. I think that's growth in the, in oh, bicycling. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's shrinking any of the other uh, disciplines of it. I think, I think it's growing in, in different, uh, different directions.
1: Well, it's certainly growing. I I went out this weekend with my wife and we we rode, you know, rode, I don't know, you know, 25, 30 miles or something like that. I mean, our biggest decision is which bike are we going to take? You know, we took <laughs> road bikes, you know, would we ride fat bikes? Would we ride hybrids or what? whatever? It didn't matter. We just, it was a nice day. We just wanted to get out and ride um, before the chaos of, of school opens up and all that. So it's certainly alive and well i mean it's getting to the end of summer where people get back to busy lives and and all that and you know it'll slow down but you know next thing you know we've got we got you know, grand fondos, we've got other things like that. We've got a, a major event that we're gonna talk about on this podcast coming up in just a couple of weeks over in Iowa City. Obviously it's the start of Cyclocross season. It kicks off with a huge bang with UCI World Cup over in Iowa City. And I had Josh Schomberger on on this show, uh, talk to Josh about what's great about this event coming to Iowa City in the in just a couple of weeks. So um, is, is so I know cowbell- a lot of people yeah. Does he got a
0: cowbell on his desk? I mean, is that permanent?
1: <laughs> I don't know. And it, I, I joked with Josh. I said, "You know what, Josh? Just think back, you know, when I first met you about 10 years ago, you didn't even own a bike. And now the guy's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, he, he's got a cross bike, he's got a um, you know, he's he's got several road bikes and and different things like that. So, you know, we can convert some people that were sedentary as far as cycling and and, you know, they Catch that bug a little bit, and all of a sudden we've got converts. And uh, he talks about doing the same from some of his wrestling friends and how they've kind of caught the bug. So, so give a listen to that that podcast is coming up later in this episode. I think you'll enjoy it.
0: Cool. Hey, one plug that I'm going to put in before we get to that, um, we're doing a People for Bikes draft in Corville. I think uh, Kathy Murphy and Andrea Parrot from Parrot Talk awesome. uh, that were they were both on last week. Kathy's with the Iowa Bicycle Coalition on September 14th. So this is the Thursday, I believe, before Jingle Cross kicks off. Uh, We're going to be doing a a People for Bikes draft. Uh, So if you're plugged into bikes and bike business and and beer, um, they're going to gather at Fuzzy's Taco in Corville and uh, have a networking meetup, which will be pretty cool. Mm.
1: Tacos, beer, bikes, sounds like a good combination.
0: (laughs) Perfect. I like tacos. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) all right so september 14th but let's also hear about josh and and jingle cross and everything that's going on with that so let's get on with the show Hey, this
1: is TJ Jesswitch for the Just Go Bike Podcast, and my guest today is Josh Schaumberger from the Iowa City Coralville Convention and Visitor Bureau. How are you doing today, Josh? Doing good, TJ. Well, we've worked together on quite a few events over over the years, mainly with with Ragbri when Coralville has been the host. Um but but you're involved in so many different large-scale events that you've been able to bring to the state of Iowa and to bring those to the Iowa City Corville area. The one that we're particularly going to talk about today is the UCI. Well, hold on. Can I get the entire uh, name of the it's event? Tough. The UCI Telenet Cyclocross World Cup slash Jingle Cross Iowa City. I mean, how do you, how do you refer to the event? As?
2: It's the Telenet UCI Cyclocross World Cup.
1: All right. Do you have to practice that a few times? Yeah. It's just
2: like those NASCAR, you know, your buddy Jimmy yeah. Johnson
1: probably has his own sponsors lined up. I have to do the same. You got it. <laughs> so, so to the average listener that doesn't know a whole lot about this event, once you, won't you tell us what this event is worldwide and why it's important to bring this event to Iowa and specifically Iowa city.
2: Yeah. Well, there's three primarily big recognized disciplines, obviously in cycling and all your, your listeners know that. And so you've got that UCI kind of oversees, um, the road champ, you know, the road, uh, everybody knows the road cyclists around uh, the world. Um, there are mountain bike um, whole discipline and, and the big one that we're involved in and we've kind of reached the world uh, radar is um, um, is cyclocross. And so UCI governs it just like they do all other elements of cycling. Um, they work closely obviously here in this country with USA Cycling. Uh, the World Cup is, is an event uh, that ha- happens about eight times a year. So their series is eight times, and then they end with the, uh, the world championships. And um, um, this year, I think it's in Norway. I'd have to double check that. But uh, there's it's a series, and, and this year we're the first in the series. So last year we were second. There's only two North American sites in the whole tour uh, circuit, and that was Las Vegas and Iowa City. This year it's Iowa City and Waterloo, uh, Wisconsin, which everybody knows is the home of Trek.
1: There's another Waterloo. I thought we just had the only one. Yeah, not the one in Iowa. Okay, just check. <laughs> not Gablestown. So to get this event here last year, give give us a, an idea of how that came about. I know uh, Dr. John Meehan has been doing jingle cross for forever yep. and uh, you know had many conversations with John before, you know, you guys landed this massive event. So Describe, you know, the elation and hosting that event last year for the first time and what that meant to, to this area. Yeah, it was a
2: really eye-opening experience for a lot of people in this community. Uh, Dr. Meehan, who you've referenced, is a former um, doctor here at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics who moved in 2007 out to Seattle Children's Hospital. His day job is he's one of the leading pediatric robotic surgeons in the world. He travels the world and and teaches that sort of specialty. Uh, He has a, a pretty unique background in a lot of different things, and one of his biggest passions is cyclocross, and he started Jingle Cross about 14 years ago. Uh, we we were a small sponsor, our CVB, and about through that throughout that time, and and uh, about three years ago, he came and said, "Hey, here's this opportunity to go get a World Cup, and I think we're ready for it. We've done some C1s, some C2s, and so we put in a bid that first year, um, really not hoping to get awarded, and we weren't um, because of the television production cost uh, line item that was in there, that was uh, taken out. And the following year and none of the cities were required to meet that particular commitment of the bid. And we flew to Cokeside, Belgium, uh, myself and John Meehan and the city manager of Iowa City to formally submit our bid at the Cokeside World Cup race. And uh, we're notified a couple months later that, that we received the bid. And so last September was the first World Cup, the second only in North America and uh, the largest
1: here in in, uh, in Iowa City, it's awesome. So. Did go over to Belgium and watch this sport. I I, I would say that this sport in Belgium is comparable to like our American football. I mean, that's And so the heroes of cyclocross are their LeBron Jameses or their Steph Currys. And um, we haven't quite seen that culture shift here in the States. Uh, do you ever see it getting anywhere close to that atmosphere? Because I, I see some lots of fun happening when, when I was at the event last year in Iowa City.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, more and more. I mean, everybody that um, I've spoken with in this community and from some of the survey and the feedback we received, uh, you know, they're hooked now. I mean, we have a local company here, Integrated DNA Technologies, that their entire team is coming back out. They had so much fun, and they were introduced to the sport this way. When we were in side Sven nice it was his last race, and he won the, the World Cup there. And it was insane to be standing there in Belgium when you have really about sixty thousand people surrounding the track watching this cyclocross race. And it's not uncommon for them to get upwards of close to a hundred thousand people at those races. Uh, so it is. Uh, like America's pastime, baseball or football here. That's what it is over there. So to experience that and then to come and try and replicate it um, was awesome and one of the most enjoyable
1: experiences I've been a part of. And for anyone that hasn't gone out and watched pro cycling, I mean, I was a the Colorado Classic this last weekend, and and basically, you know, they're off, and oh, here they come again, right. and you know, it's kind of hard to get enthusiastic about a race that you might see for you know thirty seconds go by. Right. Um, the eclipse will last longer than than you know a pro race, so. Seeing people getting into the race, I mean, just the vibe of you know cheering from first to last, every every racer that's climbing a Mount Crumpet or or anywhere on the course, uh, I mean, it it was kind of like watching a football game or a tailgate party happening at the same time. And I think anyone that hasn't had the opportunity to come out and experience cyclocross live. I think they'll come away of saying that was awesome.
2: Yeah, it is different. You know, you are exactly right. When you go watch these professional road races, you, they're they're there and they're flying at 30 miles an hour and they're gone, they're gone. You know, maybe you're lucky 30 miles an hour. Cyclocross is like NASCAR in a ways, you know, going back to that analogy, it's 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 a track uh, and, and they'll go around seven, eight times and you'll see lead changes and you'll see guys crack. You know, I remember last year, I was standing up on that hill when, Um, uh, are the world champion, uh, Woot Van Ert passed the guy in like the seventh lap and Terry Brand's looking at me and he, he's (laughs) such an addict now for my wrestling, looking at me and giving me the, he broke him sign, like he would (laughs) on the mat. And he's like, he just broke him. And it's awesome to see that and, and, and see him go by and, and race, just over a whole hour. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you can pick it up immediately. Whereas yeah. you eat to understand, you know, what is GC or what, is, you know, all the terms of the tour or anything like that. You can walk away saying you knew exactly what happened out there. You know, that, that guy won it on that climb or so. Uh, I, and I just think the energy out there live um, seeing that, I don't know if it's been that way. I've been to cross Vegas and it was kind of, Um, Kind of pedestrian if you will I mean it was on a golf course It didn't seem like it was that exciting Then coming to Iowa City And watching out at the Johnson County Fairgrounds And the Jingle Cross course uh, It just was a complete different vibe and it felt like you know people were totally into it and it didn't matter again you know if it was the best you know van or 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 you know the person that was you know two minutes behind they were cheering loudly and i'm sure the racers all just appreciated the the energy that was fueling off the fans
2: yeah that was what was most special and rewarding about all the hard work and sweat we put into putting that event on was was hearing uh the belgians and the folks from all the countries, uh, from the Netherlands really Rubber stamp our course and say that was a cyclocross course, and we had one of the most famous journalists um, from from um, from Europe who uh, came up to another gentleman on our team, Ryan Jacobson, and said that Mount Crumpet there that is already legendary, <laughs> and uh, that's cool. You know, yeah. they're like this was a hard course, this was a true cyclocross course, and they loved it, and they're all coming back. <laughs>
1: So I'm sure that last year they probably had to take out and say, they had to Google, where, where the hell is Iowa City? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, you when you think of the states of hosting, you know, massive national championship events, obviously we host wrestling events in Iowa City and yeah, – and, but I'm sure some of the cyclocross people had to say, okay, where is this next to New York? Is this California? Where where is Iowa City? So now they have an understanding of where Iowa City is. They do, and that was actually pretty cool. Somebody sent us some uh, some analytics
2: on the web that once we were announced in January of twenty sixteen, that we the Iowa was the highest rated search item in the countries of Belgium, Germany, and Netherlands. Oh, cool. People wondering where Iowa was. There you and, go. And, uh, we just say, Oh, we're, we're just
1: part of Chicago. There, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a <laughs> little suburb of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. So it's not just about racing for professionals as well. There's some other events that you've incorporated in to get the the average Joe, if you will, out, um, you know, involved in the event. You want to talk about, I know you've got a, a gravel grinder and a, and a Fondo involved. And I think we've got some pretty high profile people that are also going to be kind of the grand marshals, if you will, of those events. <laughs> yeah, we do. You know, we have... Um... <laughs> Uh, a Fondo
2: that'll take place on Sunday morning. It'll be a 70-kilometer road and gravel loop options. Uh, We just confirmed that George Hincapie is going to be coming back, 17-time Tour de France participant. Um, He'll be uh, coming back and leading the Fondo. Last year, we had Christian Vandervelde. Steve Schlanger and Tim Johnson will be out here. They're broadcasting for the entire weekend, uh, the race. Uh, So it's it's a big deal. And then to your earlier um, comment, yeah, there's a lot of amateur opportunities uh last year i believe there were over three thousand different registrations for amateur events throughout the whole weekend uh which is pretty significant um there's uh races for people of all abilities i even got out there and raced last year in the master's men uh, right. which is probably not the classification i needed to start my first cyclocross <laughs> race in but it was awesome and um I'm looking forward to doing it again. And this year actually something that's really cool is they, we've started a relay. So there's a four person relay where everybody will do one lap on the world cup course and you'll tag and it'll be the next person. And uh, we'll have a men's, women's, and co-ed division. And I'm trying to get Terry and Tom Brands and Luke (laughs) to be my partners in that.
1: That'd be be a good team. So you mentioned a couple of just absolute luminaries. Um, You know, obviously, Hinkap, is known worldwide, but the other people announcing, you mentioned Tim Johnson. I got to ride with with Tim out at uh, the Seattle Classic and the Bike Leadership Conference. And we talked about Iowa, and he was just, you know, he said, you know, obviously, Jingle Cross has got a soft spot in everyone's heart that have that have actually you know raced in the past but you know he was just beaming about what a what an awesome place to have this this world cup event and they did such a great job and he looks forward to coming back so it's good to hear that tim's going to be on the broadcast team he also works for people for bikes doing a lot of good promotion of bike advocacy throughout the country so so good to good to have tim back um back in iowa so gravel grinder Grand fondo Come, you know, be a spectator. How do you, how do they get tickets for the event? Is there a, is there a cost to come watch cyclocross racing? Yeah, the whole weekend
2: is free, with the exception of Sunday, and it's a five dollar ticket. So can't beat that. You cannot beat that. Uh, Friday and Saturday are all free. You can come and have fun. We have these huge screens. We'll have the football game going on, on Saturday. Uh, Sunday is the big World Cup day. So it'll be the best of the best. Um, that gets overstated sometimes, but it's truly the case in this situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have I think 88 men will be there'll be somewhere around 80 in the elite men's field, uh, and then there'll be somewhere around 50 or 60 in the women's elite uh, World Cup course um, or race. So that'll be um, a big deal on, on Sunday, and it's five bucks. You can get a, yeah, VIP tickets are available. That's all. Uh, food beer wine primo viewings opportunities uh fully catered deal uh tickets are available everything's at jinglecross.com so
1: you mentioned beer there will be beer beer, uh, involved and cyclocross and beer kind of go hand in hand if you will it sure does and deschutes brewery is our official sponsor and so they're putting on a
2: what they're calling a beers and gears festival throughout the entire weekend they're bringing a lot of special kegs in uh they're going to have a lot of their um, favorite bottled beer, but um, Deschutes is, did a great job last year, and people loved it, and so they'll be
1: coming back. Awesome. They're not quite an Iowa City brand, so people might might know them a little bit. I know they were involved last year, so good to, good to see them yeah, supporting. Yeah, yeah, very very good. So, cyclocross in Iowa. I mean, obviously, to put in perspective, I mean, Jingle Cross. I think participation wise is the largest cyclocross Cross, cyclocross event in the entire country. Is that correct? That's correct. And, uh, I, I think without having the support, I um, mean you know, it starts with people like, like John Meehan has mm-hmm. just puts his blood, sweat and tears into that event, but seeing the people, you know, time after time come out and work on that course, they're probably working on the course today mm-hmm. of, of, of getting it ready. Yep. So, it doesn't happen overnight to put together a massive event like this. Um, so can you talk about you know, just the people that work on this behind the scenes to get it ready to be that world-class event?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's what's really been awesome as well is getting to know a lot of these folks because we share a, a love of cycling. And uh, this is a discipline I wasn't as intimate in as I am road, as you know, and riding with you a lot of times. But cyclocross, uh, I now have an awesome cyclocross bike and I, I love to ride it. we Coralville just opened the third a permanent cyclocross course in the state just a couple days ago. And it's out in uh, Creekside cross. That's going to be awesome. But this team, uh, is really at its core about 30 deep and they are out there. Um, they've already been out there, uh, mowing, grooming, all sorts of things They're They have about four different weekends set up between now and then where they have everything outlined, what they need to do from course, from stakes. Um, and it's a team of people that are, you know, we have the head of the Iowa power plant we've got if somebody works at the hospital uh, we've got a pharmacist we've got a doctor all these people just love this sport and they put hundreds of hours into it a year um and it's, it's just pretty special the way this community comes together for this particular event. And they're all riding the amateur races. They're great riders. And, and uh, it's been a lot, it's been a lot of fun at the end of the day. We'll have probably two, 300 people out there that'll be volunteering and crossing guards. And the shifts are already filling up and that's during
1: a Iowa home football game weekend. So it shows you how much they love this sport. So lots going on that weekend. And the weekend is September 15th through the 17th with the seventeenth. Being the UCI World Cup yeah. uh, event. So, and that's typically held on a Saturday. So it, it moved over to Sunday to kind of make sure we're not in the middle of uh, Iowa football, kind of a big thing around here.
2: Yeah, it is, and we have had it here on a Saturday. But in in cyclocross World Cup, it's it's actually preferred to be on a Sunday. So it actually worked out better for UCI for us to move it. Um, but yeah, we we weren't going to go head to head with uh, with Iowa football. Smart, smart, smart move.
1: <laughs> okay, so obviously a big event, um, another amateur event coming up, if you will, um, at the end of that month or or actually the beginning of October. Now will be the Grand Gable. Yep. And, you know, again, you mentioned the Brands Brothers before, starting to get in, into cycling. Obviously, with, with Dan Gable, the you know, I mean, just comes to mind. I mean, fitness and, and wrestling. And, I mean, I know uh, Coach Gable is so uh, excited to have people, you know, getting into shape and riding. And so this is the fifth year of the Grand Gable. And from what I heard, this could be the last Grand Gable. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you want to tell us uh, a little bit what's in store for this year's Grand Gable? This is the fifth year. And... It is unfortunate that it will be the last year. You know, it's
2: just um, um, it's just a, a, a great great ride, but it's it's really been targeted, and it's been the folks that have been coming back are those that really want to punish themselves on a hundred mile century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't want to. I know there's a lot of great rides around the state. I love the Bakun ride and all these sort of rides, uh, but I, I can't take a, a, a ride that's got Gable's name on it and offer beer and bacon every ten miles to kind to kind of grow it into more of a social deal. Sure. I want to make it a hard ride, and that's what it's been. And you know, and we've we've had a good steady core there of six, seven hundred riders a year. Uh, but it takes a lot as you know to put these things on. And we've got some other things in the works, particularly in cycling, that we'll we'll announce um, down the road. But. Grand Gable's been a lot of fun. Uh, We moved it back a month, it's always been on Labor Day, so now it'll be on October 1st, on a Sunday, and I actually went out yesterday, I'm sorry, Sunday, and I rode the entire 101 miles, and it's an awesome course this year. Um, It's got 3,255 feet of climb, uh, so it's a little hillier than maybe some of the other ones, but they're great hills, and uh, as long as we don't have too big of a headwind, people will knock this thing out.
1: So I've got four of them under my belt, and yeah. it's the, the biggest medal I've ever seen in my life. It hurts your neck when you put it on. When, when actually, when Coach Gable puts it around your neck, it's yeah. um, it's such a great accomplishment. And I put it next to my, my wife's marathon medals, and it it like, you know, like tilts the entire medal stand. So, <laughs> uh, but that's the if you accomplish that event like I have for for four years in a row, you you earn that medal. Yeah. And to see Coach Gable out there shaking hands and taking pictures, it's uh, it's been a great run. So hopefully, everyone will come out. Let's get over a thousand people out to to send this event down down the road. Yeah. yeah. So you haven't always been a cyclist. You haven't, you know, really started uh, getting into cycling until just a few years ago. And I, until I, I want to say that uh, Ragbri was a, a converted you, I guess, into a cyclist by you know working the event as a volunteer, uh, getting involved with your job, and to see you today. I, how many bikes do you own now? Probably
2: as many as you. Yeah. I, you know, I think I have five or six, but. I started in 2006, yeah. right after RAGBRA. I did the training ride and I was hooked. Done I think you, didn't you borrow? I uh, borrowed Nate Kading's mountain bike when okay. we did the pre-ride from Marengo to Coralville yeah. that year. And I about freaking died <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't take water. I didn't take anything. I didn't have the right shorts. Yeah. I thought this
1: is, oh, what the heck? It's like 55, 60 miles. No yeah. big deal. No, no, no. <laughs> So you borrow Nate's bike now. Nate wishes he can keep up with you, I think. Is yeah, that a he has kinda... showed on Sunday. He owes me and Eustace ten bucks. There you go. <laughs> so it's it's good to see that. And you know, I've seen Ragbry convert people, um, events like that. And hopefully that's what we're seeing with with cyclocross. I mean, obviously you're building a, a cyclocross track here here in Iowa City, Coralville area. So I, I think it's got the power when you have these massive events to, you know, take a look and say, wow, well, that looks like a lot of fun. I can do that. And, you know, what is that, 10, 12 years ago, you were, you know, had no idea. golfing every day. Yeah. And so it's it's good to see that. You had also mentioned that, you know, some of the wrestling coaches have taken up the sport of cycling, which which is awesome to hear.
2: Yeah, you know, that's uh, also to credit to you because you got you and Kelly Hayworth, the city manager at got me hooked on cycling. And I got all of Iowa Wrestling now hooked on cycling. You know, there's four of them over there that are very strong riders, very competitive. Uh, Terry has more bikes than me now. I mean, every other day he's buying another... Three dollar machine whether it be a cross bike or a road bike and they ride all the time now they're always either at sugar bottom or we're going on a, a 30 40 50 mile ride and it's awesome i mean the wrestlers love it <laughs> it's
1: well here's my here's my theory on on professional cycling in the united states if they went and tapped wrestlers you know guys that were you know 106 somewhere in that ballpark. Because the heart of a wrestler, or the the mind of a wrestler, as you know, you hang out with these guys all the time. There is no quit in in wrestling, and when you're you know struggling in the top of you know one of these mountains in France, or to have that mentality, and obviously it takes a lot of physical ability as well. But the no-quit in wrestlers, and I don't know why USA Cycling doesn't go and tap some of these wrestlers and say, you know, these guys that are, you know, under 120 pounds, guys like like Luke Eustis who went out and killed across Iowa. And what has what Luke been riding three years? Yeah. And, and yeah. guys that have ride their whole life, he goes out there probably – you know Luke's still learning the, the the sport, and he just kills it. And I I just look at that and say, if they started tapping some of the guys that are in wrestling, not the you know the elites are are going to keep wrestling, but to see some of these guys, I mean, how good is is Tom or Terry on a bike compared to someone that's been riding their whole life?
2: No, I couldn't agree more. I I tell them all the time that is the perfect. retirement once they finish wrestling in their mid 20s or whatever early 20s for a lot of them that's when they kind of finish it is the perfect retirement sport because I look at Eustace and I look at Terry and I look at Morningstar and some of these people over there and they would rather die than have somebody beat them (laughs) up one of these hills or in anything that's just the way they're wired and yeah Luke did raid and he averaged 22.97 miles an hour for 300 miles That's crazy across the state of Iowa. Um, yeah, they're, they are strong riders and, uh, I hate it because I I can never beat that guy. And I've been riding way longer than him and he's younger than me though, too.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll call it that. And lighter. Yeah. (laughs) But that mentality, um, hopefully we'll figure it out. I mean, it was, um, just going to the, you know, the Colorado races and seeing, you know, um, the Americans were you know, not in the, not anywhere near the top. And hopefully that'll change. we got some good young racers that are coming up. Obviously, um, Jason McCartney, who's from, from this area, knows a little bit about, about cycling and has been a tour rider for many years and has been involved in, I I know he's involved in. He runs the the Fondo
2: for cyclocross. He'll be the one leading
1: the Fondo. Oh, awesome. So it's, you know, we do have some some potential in, in the state of Iowa to get out there if Jason can make it from, I believe he grew up in Coralville. Yep, and so there's, there's hope for people here that they could go on to be, you know, in that elite field. And uh, obviously we're not in that elite field, um, but there's, you know, even if you're not in that elite field, there's plenty of fun um, as far as cycling. I mean, there's events like Ragbri, there's events like the the Gravel Grinder, there's events like the the Fondo that are associated with the UCI event as well. So, yep. so come on down to Iowa City uh, September 15th through the 17th. We've got you know massive event with the UCI. Uh, yeah, say the whole event. Name again. Tell that
2: UCI Cyclocross World Cup okay. in Iowa City, and uh, we'll have the entire. I mean, a whole. 30 people from UCI here that fly in and it's going to be awesome it always is and we say this is the last year of the Grand Gable so that's October 1st it'll be October 1st Sunday October 1st and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a good route there Again, I just wrote it a couple days ago, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We finish at Big Grove, Iowa City, so it's an awesome—the uh, brand new Big Grove, Iowa City—and so it's an awesome finishing spot. And Coach Gable will be there at the podium to reward you with your medal for uh, for finishing
1: his fondo, and it's right. a tough one. I'm going to try to make yeah. it five. I'll I'll try to make it five. So, um, is this the last UCI event that's going to come to Iowa City, or? Oh no think? no no. Well, we're. We've made good friends with UCI and
2: uh, I think you know when events and opportunities come up, uh, Iowa City will be at the at the top of their list. Uh, John and I have gone over there. We have to go over for seminars, meetings. Um, we have to go to Switzerland yeah. for four days in April. Uh, we we went and we went the last year, and so to sit around all these legendary, you know, um, other sites that have hosted cyclocross and world championships is awesome. And they all know Iowa.
1: Good. Good to hear. Well, they're going to know more about Iowa as we keep bringing these events here. Um, hopefully, we can work together again in, on, on other events, Josh. I know we've worked many Ragbri'es together, I'm sure. Um, we're disp- putting in a bid for next year, so hopefully we'll- You're putting in a bid? We're putting in a bid for Iowa City for to be considered
2: for okay. next year.
1: For RAGBRAI 46. RAGBRAI
2: 46. Iowa City hasn't hosted since, I think,
1: the late 80s. Okay. Wow. Is that right? So what were you, in in middle school in the late 80s there, Josh? Uh, I was in middle school. Okay. Yeah, and uh,
2: living uh, in San Diego and never even knew what RAGBRAI was. Oh, okay. But it's time for Iowa City, and they're ready. I mean, they're excited. Big Hawkeye celebration. Corville's hosted many times, obviously veterans. North Liberty hosted, I think, in the last 10 years. A couple years ago, yeah. But Iowa City, hopefully, they reach your top of your selection list.
1: Okay, well, we'll certainly, all right, good to hear. So late late eighties. Okay, we're gonna have to take a look at that. We'll have to we'll have to fact check Josh on that. Since, I think that's right since he was in elementary or whatever. So uh, very good. Well, I, I think that type of mentality will definitely happen over at at, at the UCI event it, with Jingle Cross. Uh, it's had such a great reputation, but you know obviously you got beers and gears and you know the lots of fun. Obviously, anytime you come to this area, you have a good time. And uh, I appreciate you know you guys have been supporting this podcast for since the inception we've done this is i think the 30th edition of the podcast so thank you to to think iowa city and you know iowa city corvo convention and Visitor bureau for being a sponsor of this podcast as well
2: you bet anytime we can visit with you tj we love it
1: all right
3: hello and welcome to today's parrot talk uh this is andrea parrot uh today i'd like to talk to you about something that comes up a lot this time of year just after ragpry uh namely are lost and found so we actually have quite a few items this year so hopefully this will kind of spark your memory or you know remind you of something that you may have lost and you can contact us and maybe find it or you know if your friend was missing X Y and C maybe get them to email us and see if we have it um, basically how the ragbri lost and found works is throughout the week of ragbri we, take things in at the Ragby Merchandise Trailers. Either riders will bring stuff to us or if we find anything on the ground or um, sometimes the SAG drivers will bring us stuff and sometimes local troopers or police authorities will bring things in to us. I mean, there's a million different ways that we receive items, but throughout the whole week we get keep getting more and more items. Um, and we log them in a little book, we organize them and we have them ready for you to come and pick up and hopefully find. Um once when I was the writer on Rag Bright, I lost my wallet and I found it at the merchandise trailer with all the cash still inside of it. Um people do turn in cash quite a bit. Um we've had up to seven hundred dollars both lost and found. So in cash. So that's pretty cool. That's a testament to Iowans, um, how much they how honest they are and how much they care about their fellow writers. Um, so yeah. 2017 Lost and Found. If I had to describe this year's Lost and Found in one word, it would be stinky. Because we've got a lot of helmets this year, some gloves, a couple of water bottles with water still in them and some sandals. Um, When you open up that box of Lost and Found, there is a distinctive odor that you will encounter. So that's another reason why I'm trying to encourage people to claim their items. Actually. Several people have all claimed one of the helmets that we have in the Lost and Found. So we're currently trying to triangulate whose it might be based on where it was found and where they noticed it was gone. So hopefully we can get that straightened out. I'm sure nobody else wants someone else's helmet. It's just that I think a lot of people have the same black helmet. So that's a fun one this year. One of our other helmets that I can't believe no one has picked up this year is a cute black helmet with little flowers, like fake flowers in it. That is the most, the cutest, most distinctive helmet and no one has claimed it. So that's a fun one. Um, Like I said, lots of gloves, lots of clothing. I finally convinced the merchandise staff not to accept underwear. So we don't have any underwear this year. No one is gonna want that back and no one's gonna admit that they lost it. You know, once you once that stuff touches the floor of the communal shower in the high school, it's gone, baby. Don't go back for it. Um, we had a lot of cycling glasses this year, um, two identical pairs of cycling glasses. So that's kind of cool. I guess it's really popular, kind, I don't know, but they're just regular black glasses. So, But nobody has claimed either pair. So I don't know what we're going to do. A um, lot of car keys, which is kind of, incomprehensible because how did you get home? You know, if you lose a pair of car keys, step one, stop by the by Merchandise Trailer and at least give us your phone number so we can let you know if and when we find your keys. Especially like rental car keys, how, how do you deal with that? I mean, I guess they've had it cleared up by now, but um, we do try to call gym memberships or um, rental car agencies if we can, or if there's any identifying information on the car keys or on a person's cell phone, we will try to look up that person and get a hold of them if they're registered. Um, Another question we get a lot is, what do we do with the stuff once we are pretty sure no one's gonna claim it? Well, we do hold it for a year, and in some cases longer than a year, depending on how energetic we are. Um, And then all the quote unquote good stuff we give to the dream team, all the cash we give to the dream team, all the unclaimed cash, so we do donate that or we donate it to Goodwill beyond that if it's something we don't think the Dream Team could necessarily use. And then the rest we trash if it's really, sometimes we get stuff that's truly just junk. So we will trash some of that stuff. A um, Couple of my favorite items this year, we didn't get any, um, uh, what do you call, contraband this year. We have had contraband in the past, and that usually goes straight into the trash can or to the authorities or whatever. Um, but this year, my one of my favorite items is a large flag that would go on the back of a an recumbent, and it says ARG on it. <laughs> so that's my favorite item, and I cannot believe that no one has claimed it. So if you're the owner of a missing ARG flag, um, let us know. Um, actually, I should take a moment to say what the official way to contact us is for missing Ragbri lost and found items, which is email Mariah, my coworker Mariah, at info at ragbri.com I-N-F-O. So that's the easiest way and she'll collect everything together because it, then it's just easy to have a big, she is the knowledge base of what we have left, where it came from um, and you know can help ship it back to you. And she was, I just saw her shipping something back today so we are still sending stuff back. Um, my other favorite thing that we found on the ride is Um, it's a flexible flashlight that I think you would attach to some of your camping gear, and it's called a black mamba. So I I just love the name, it's a mamba. So if no one claims that after a year, that one might be going home with me, so we'll see. So then I guess I'll follow that up with my number one favorite lost and found item of all time, which was a sort of an olive green duffel bag that we found about two years ago Um, And it just sort of traveled along with us the whole week. We had no idea whose it was. It didn't have a tag on it or anything. But um, I start going through it. At the end of the year, we kind of look through everything. um, And I open up the bag and I pull out a Mellow Johnny's jersey. And then I pull out another Mellow Johnny's jersey. And then I pull out an Air Force One bathroom kit and a Rolex. And I'm like... TJ, you need to come and look at this stuff. And lo and behold, it turns out to be Lance Armstrong's duffel bag. And what happened was it he was trying to get something out of his duffel bag, and he pulled something that has happened to many of us, I'm sure, and he left it on the top of the, bu- the bus, and they drove away, and the bag fell into the ditch. And some really nice person found the duffel bag, and he... Was a, he wasn't riding Ragby that year, but he has ridden Ragby before, and he was such a kind soul. Like He knew how important it is to get your duffel bag back, and so he looked through the bag a little bit, and he saw the Air Force One bag, so he went and checked with the Air Force team. He went and checked with just every team he could think of. Now, he didn't necessarily... Kn- I don't know if the Mellow Johnny's bus is labeled, so he didn't check with them, but he brought it back to us, and he checked back in with us later, and he left his little business card in there so I could get a hold of him and he was just so concerned so I put him in touch with the Mello Johnny's team and they sent him a bunch of autographed um, jerseys and t-shirts and fun things from Lance Armstrong and that is the best voicemail I have ever received when this gentleman found or received the package oh my God, I can't believe you sent me this. It was so fun to reunite Lance with his bag and then um, this guy got rewarded and it was just such a fun experience with the lost and found. So that's my number one favorite lost and found item ever. Um, but any, anytime someone can get reunited with their cell phone or with their um, lost bike computer or anything, it's always a good moment because people are used to losing things and not getting them back. And it's just really fun to put them in touch. So um, basically that's the wrap-up of what we got for Lost and Found this year. If there's anything in particular that you like, i again info Mariah or email info Mariah. Email Mariah at info at ragbry.com. Um, if you have any questions for parrot talk, email us at just go at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message on social media at just go bike on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And I would love to hear from you. If you wanna send a message to me particularly, you can tweet me at ragbry underscore Andrea, and I'll be happy to squawk back at you. Um, I hope you have a lovely week, um, bye.
0: We've reached the end of another Just Go Bike podcast. This show is made possible by some of our generous sponsors that help uh, the Just Go Bike. TJ, who do we got?
1: Well, one big one that you're going to hear a lot of coming up is the Iowa City Coralville Convention and Visitors Bureau. They also go by the tagline Think Iowa City. And they've been a great sponsor of the Jisco Bike Podcast. They are hosting the World Cup of of Cyclocross, the UCI event, Telenet, and it'll be there at the fairgrounds in Johnson County. So lots of great stuff happening with them. They also will be hosting Grand Gable on October first. So lots of great events coming in the Iowa City area. Also by Bike you, a bike shop out of Grinnell, Iowa, and right there at the at the who home of Grinnell College. So they're also a rag ride charter and a rag ride bike shop. So uh, good folks over there, April Cooper, Craig Cooper, good friends of ours and good friends of the show. And last but not least, Primal Wear. And Primal Wear is based in Denver, Colorado. They are the official outfitter as far as cycling apparel for RAGBRAI. And got to spend some time with them lately over at the Colorado Classic. Good people over there. Just if you're thinking about getting some
0: custom cycling apparel, look no further than Primal Wear. You can find our show notes at justgobike.net. What do you want to talk about on this show? We want to hear from you. So find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Just Go Bike. Be sure to subscribe to Just Go Bike at iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and join us next week for more. I'll leave you with one of my favorite quotes and this one is one that I say pretty frequently. Stopping is, is just as much fun as going. Thanks for coming to the Jisco Bike Podcast.